into the contest. Wednesday, May 11. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Shane Lee. Look, I was reading in a golf magazine today about your last game of golf, and it sounded extraordinary. Mate, I played last week. I won't say it's my last game of golf, but I, I seriously thought about it. <laughs> I played on a heavy tan down at Raringa. It was a very, Ooh. very wet course, and um, I played with two mates of mine, Mad Mike Ooh. and Rob the Arborist. And uh, We call him the Arborist because he hits every bloody tree on the course and somehow <laughs> manages to get back out in the fairway. But uh, Rob, got, Rob got the chocolates on this occasion, and, and Mad Mike lost his ball, which sunk... It was that wet. It sunk into the turf and he couldn't find it. So he was pretty upset. So I came second and just hacked around the wet conditions, mate. Not great golf, but but good fun to go out of the house nonetheless. I'll tell you what, that's almost a doco series in that Rob the Arborist, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Mad Mike. Oh, good stuff. Nothing like a good game of golf as long as you don't take it too seriously. There's a stack to come. Good news for Ryan Campbell, the Australian cricketer. Cameron Murray problems for him going forward and Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods look like they're going to play in the PGA. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. So Shane, some good news with Ryan Campbell, um, of course, expected to make a full recovery and uh, that really uh, put a smile on my face when I read it. And mine, Timmy. Ryan Campbell, fantastic bloke and uh, I went to the Creed Academy with him, so it was, mm. it was very nervous times. Look, he was only given a, um, when he had the heart attack in the park, he was only given a 7, 7% chance of living um, mm. and he can't remember the seven days of being in intensive care, but... Look, he was lucky. When he see, he li- he'd lied down. He felt tired all of a sudden, and he lied on the foot of a child. And luckily, the mum of that child come running over, and she'd just done a CPR course and administered CPR, and that was a big, big uh, reason why he actually survived and didn't have any brain damage, etc. So good news. Yeah, and, and it looks like, yeah, and I suppose you would, wouldn't you? Your mentality yeah. would be, this is my second chance. Yep. Uh, 7%'s not a lot, is it? He said he's going to live life to the fullest, Tim, so there's a less than that mm. for all of us, yep. Yeah, uh, chapter two or three in the whole Tim Payne sexting scandal um, with the, a story involving his accuser, Renee Ferguson. Well, this is just getting ugly now. Once lawyers get involved and um, they're really going hard at Renee Ferguson, and I'm sure Tim Payne would love this thing to go away as well, um, but she's now seeking one million compensation from Tasmanian Cricket Association um, for the way that, that she was dealt with on that time. But they're saying, well, her lawyers against her are saying that she's claiming, well, she did put the uh, the claim in for three years. They're saying, why didn't she do that? She's claiming mental health was a part of that. But they're saying that she worked full time during that period. Um, and she also had some other compensation claims in another job. So it's just getting ugly, bad, bad for both parties. Have you heard on, um, look, just, just changing subjects slightly, have you heard any news on Tim Payne? I mean, like, this has been an enormous fall from grace for him as well as we look at the sort of full story. 
No, and I haven't even spoken to anyone that's actually been in contact with him. Um, I, I don't know Tim personally, and but he has just gone right, right off, um, yeah, right, right out of the, the view of anyone, and uh, he's probably just trying to deal and get his family right. I'm assuming. Yeah, they're blowing up in England, uh, talking about cricket itself. Is there anything worse <laughs> than uh, hitting the stumps and the bales don't come off? They must be putting it in with cement or granite, but this has happened a few times, and I can understand why a bowler would be disappointed because it's always stacked against the bowl of the game of cricket, and when you smash the, the castle and nothing happens, um, mm, not, not happy, Jan. No, not happy. Nothing worse when you're bowling, nothing better when you're batting, Tim. <laughs> but uh, yes. Essex Seamer, Sam Cook bowled, I think it was to York, uh, Yorkshireman um, Harry Duke, and uh, as you said, the ball basically crashed into off stump. He's a, he's a medium fast bowler. Um, they actually thought it was they peeled for caught behind because they heard the wooden noise. But yeah, I don't know what they're putting those bales on with these days. But uh, yeah, I can't believe that bale did not dislodge. Growing up in Western Sydney with lots of brothers and mates, there'd always be a regular game of cricket in our backyard <laughs> before the mash theme had come on and it was time for dinner. But <laughs> I, I remember collecting the garbage bin, and seriously, the old garbage bins, the little ones, and seriously almost fell over. And one of the guys, and I won't, you know, he's an older brother of mine, said, no, it wasn't out. I said, mate, the bin is on the ground. And he, he still wouldn't walk. He still wouldn't walk. Oh, I've gotten over it, as uh, you can tell. Yeah, mate, we had plenty of those situations in our backyard, that's for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, the World Game. Spain um, going to be hosting the Matildas in June. Now, this World Cup is, is, is like time just goes faster, doesn't it, as you get older. But this World Cup in Australia and New Zealand is only next year. Well, this is where the, the, the girls are getting it right, the Matildas in particular. They're, mm. they're playing Spain. This is the first time that um, with, with, with the girls that they've played each other, Spain versus Australia. And that's fantastic preparation for, for what will be a very, very important World Cup. If you look at our guys, our guys are off to play the UAE in, in a bit of a friendly before their knockout game against Jordan on June 7. Um, if they lose that, we're out of the World Cup. If they win, we have to then go and play Peru, which is another knockout. And the winner of that then goes on to the World Cup. But very, very different opposition. The UAE versus, say, Spain. Um, I just think the women are in a much better place than the men. Yeah, the Socceroos, yeah, that, that that friendly against Jordan. Then they've got to play the UAE, and then they've got to get into that South American thing with Peru. It's a, an awfully yep. difficult road. And, and I think we've got um, two different class of teams at the moment, dare I say it. Our, yep. our women's team's uh, really right up there, and our men's team struggling along. So it, it's going to be an interesting eight to ten months uh, going forward for our Australian soccer teams. Now, tennis, Denis Sharpolov uh, goes – Sharpolov. Of rather goes ballistic at the Italian crowd. He he really got upset. <laughs> he really did. Um, he I got remember, the shits. He got the shits. We told the crowd to shut the FNL up, and um, but he was warned by the umpire twice for crossing the net. And we all know that's a basic rule in tennis. You cannot put your body past the line of the net. And he's obviously done it a few times. The umpire then, after giving him a warning, called him on a crucial point. He was he was fighting to stay in the second set. And he lost that point due to uh, being penalised for crossing the net. And uh, then he just lost it. And then he told the crowd to, to shut the, F, the FNL up. And, uh, yeah, very, very explosive there for him. You could see the crowd were getting into him and just rolled him up and he just kept going. Oh, yeah, in the crowd at 10th. Oh, okay, we will shut up now that you asked us to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we will all shut that's up. What, that's what they do, isn't it?
Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they yell louder. Uh, now, Kuyong Classic is back uh, for the Australian Summer of Tennis. It's been awfully disrupted the past couple of years for obvious reasons. And, uh, well, this just sort of gives a little bit more normality to it. And I'm sure it helps the players in their preparation ahead of, um, you know, the the start of the, the, the tennis year, which always happens in Melbourne. Yeah, well, it's all, it, it has been historically a lead into the Aussie Open and a, and a real historic place, Kuyong. Timmy, I've never been there personally. Did you ever cover that when you were doing stuff with Nine? Yeah, a couple of times. Yep. Uh, a couple of times and, you know, beautiful courts and stuff. And um, uh, I had the opportunity to look at – I was the worst tennis player of all time when it comes mm. to tennis. I think the last time I played was not dissimilar to your last game of golf. I whacked myself in the head with the Prince racket <laughs> rather than actually hit the ball. And um, I, I, I avoided stitches, but that's about the quality of my tennis. But no, I had, through my time, I hosted a lot of tennis, like a lot of US Opens through the night and things like that. I do love the game. Um, but but that's that is good news. That is good news for um, the Australian summer of tennis. We've got plenty more coming up. We've got the AFL, the NRL, and much much more. Gil McLaughlin, uh, I would think that this would be a dream job for him to to run the Olympic Games. Uh, I do get a little bit sick of Queensland politicians saying that this is great for Queensland. I'd rather them say this is great for Australia. We're 10 years away, and particularly for for your kids, my kids and and others. It's something to really look forward to like we did when Sydney was on. Yeah, well, the 2032 Olympic Games uh, CEO, they're they're asking whether Gil McLaughlin is the right candidate for it. after leaving yeah. the AFL now, no one knows whether he's actually put even put his hat into the ring. But he he would be have the ability to do that. The funny thing about this, this is ten years away. So they're sort of saying that there's never been just one um, uh, CEO of Olympic uh, lead in uh, last for, for, with one person. So normally Sydney had three different CEOs over that period. So whether Gil McLaughlin takes it on for the first four years and then passes it on to someone else will be. We'll have to wait and see. It was enormous when it happened, wasn't it, um, in, mm. in Sydney? And we all have such fond memories. Of course, you were fonder than any when you ran around with your torch. Um, it, was an it was an extraordinary time. And I, I, there's no reason why this won't be exactly the same. No, it'll be, it'll be fantastic. And uh, look, I think it'd be, um, if you were, were a CEO of a sporting organisation, to be involved in, in some capacity with the Olympics, would have to be right up there with, uh, I suppose, with, with a, a real work lifestyle um, choice, and uh, it'd be a fantastic thing to be part of. Yeah, Matthew Lloyd talking about AFL uh, has come out and sort of commented on some behind the scenes drama, apparently, on on the Sunday Footy Show. Now, like most sporting teams, um, having worked in TV and radio for a long time, there's yeah, you're never far from from drama. Just because people work together or play sport together doesn't mean they all get on. Yeah, I think the the footy show in Melbourne, the ratings are shit house, so they're probably just trying trying to drum up some uh, publicity. Um, Tony Jones, you said Matt, Matty Lloyd, Nathan Brown, Damien Barrett, and and Kane Corns are, are the hosts on the show, and they pretty much give Tony Jones, the the Channel Nine guy, a hard mm. time all the time. He's the whipping boy there, but I just uh, I feel they're just drumming up some bit of publicity here, Tim. Yeah. Quite possibly. That's yep. been done before once or twice. <laughs> yes. Now, Cameron Murray, uh, South Sydney, like this is difficult for Souths mm. and, of course, New South Wales. Will he be right in time? Now, Souths have got a big game. It's the Magic Round this weekend. They play the Warriors, who are mixing their form. But Cameron Murray is their leader, uh, and they are struggling for leadership after Adam Reynolds left. 
Well, he's a, he'll be a huge loss. He has a neck injury, mm. so he's going to be sidelined for up to a month. But yep. I tell you what, he he's a big – if he doesn't get right, off with a month, he's going to be really close to, um cutting it fine to play State of Origin, I would think. And he's Mr. Reliable in that in the New South Wales team. He'd be a big, big loss. Um, yeah, so hopefully he gets right because – uh, yeah, you can you can replace someone like Latrell Mitchell in that New South Wales team when you got the spine right, but take him out of there. It's a very very different team. Now, Cody Walker, um, journalists um, Paul Kent and James Super and a couple of others have have basically said that this guy needs to grow up. Well, what do you make of his performances at South Sydney since Adam Reynolds has left? Do you, do you think that he needs to grow up, or do you think he's just taking time to to get used to it? Well, no, I think he always played second fiddle to Adam Reynolds and he's, mm. and the team's seriously missing him. And it's not so much growing up. He needs to, to show up and, and take ownership of this team. He definitely misses Wayne Bennett, this guy, and that, that real tough mentor sitting above him. But he's under serious pressure as of South, mate. If they, they lose the next couple, they're, they're gone for this season, I reckon. Oh, and it puts a pressure on the coach, doesn't it, uh, yep. Dimitri? Yeah, it, it really does. doesn't. I yep. know that he did coach a lot of last year, but Wayne Bennett was there. And that's the thing. You sort of got that safety blanket, don't you, when you've got a legend yep. in the shed. Now, now golf news, the US PGA Championship, Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods. Uh, named in this uh, in this 156 man field for for the major and uh, look Tiger look you can see him at the US Masters trying to bend down and all that kind of thing he struggled with it but you'd reckon uh, he's rehab but continue to get him in a more mobile shape for this one yeah it's in the USPGA in Oklahoma Tim I won't get you starting to sing that musical but uh, I'm pretty sure you would have seen it um, but look Tiger Woods as you said he played the Masters back in April. And you'd think he can only get better um, with a bit more rehab and time. Well, Phil Mickelson, as we know, and we've mentioned on this show, he's been aligned with the Saudi consortium with Greg Norman. And basically overnight, he's lost a number of his own personal sponsors. So it would we would assume now that Phil Mickelson may walk away from that Saudi opportunity. The pressure's been put on him here. Um, and I think he's under real tight constraints, whether he's going to play in this PGA um, if he continues to align with that uh, Saudi consortium. Yeah, and we saw how much money, uh, yep. according to that book, that he'd lost punting. Goodness gracious me. Mm. Now, Shane, would there be anything worse being a jockey? Look, I don't think you and I were ever built to be jockeys. Um, I say that respectfully. <laughs> but not um, like riding draft horses. Yeah, so Michael Poy, the jockeys, come around. It was obviously a longer race. It was, um, you know, two laps of the track. And for some reason, some unknown reason, he's put the gas down on the first lap and headed to the line and wondering why no one was coming with him. <laughs> he thought it was well, one is, lap. He has had a shock of this bloke. Uh, Michael, Michael Poy, or Poy, however you pronounce his name, he, uh, as you said, he put he cracked the whip early and he thought he was home and hose. And then he realised, as you said, Tim, all the other horses started passing him. Bom, going, oh, fuck, what have I done here? So he's been actually suspended uh, for two months. Um, but they said the poor guy was crying after after the race. They haven't gone too hard on him. But uh, imagine if you had some money on that horse. You'd be blowing up, wouldn't you? Yeah, I know. I would have won a lot of 100 metres if it stopped at 50 uh, in the, the old sprints. <laughs> That's right. Now, what about um, a guy that could move across the ground pretty quickly to finish off today? Andrew Simons. Mate, Simo, is, as I've mentioned a couple of times on the show, I've got many Andrew Simons mm. stories. This is one of my favourites where – we were, we were touring South Africa and we played up in Johannesburg. Now, 
Now, Johannesburg's about 1,700 metres above sea level, um, so the white ball actually carries a lot further up there. So um, our coach decided to give us some outfield catches, and you would the ball would be hit to you, and it would probably travel another two to three metres more as it would at sea level. Um, so we, we did all this yeah. practice. We finally then went down to Durban to play the next match, and Andrew Simon said we should do a few more of these altitude catches to which I pointed out the beach across the road. We weren't, we weren't at altitude anymore, mate. He couldn't, he couldn't work out what the fuck I was talking about. But anyway, God oh, bless him. Thank God, he's a, thank God he's a good cricketer. Good commentator too and a good bloke, Simmer. Love you, Simmer. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to our sponsors, Shana. Our fantastic sponsors, O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. Absolutely. And our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh. We're back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Building Resilience Podcast. They play in different arenas, but sports and business have massive similarities. Elite athletes and top business leaders flourish through the physical and psychological demands their high-stress careers place on them. The Building Resilience Podcast explores the world of sport and deconstructs the tools and ethos of world-class athletes that can help us create growth and optimize business and life. Come find the Building Resilience Podcast on your favorite podcast app.